The pay for me is the least in the equation. The most in the equation is, are you doing you based on God, what God's given you yeah. as, as a contribution? Welcome to Conversations with Sarah, a podcast where you get to listen in on some of my most interesting and personal conversations. I'm Sarah Samuel, and today we're talking about work. I'm not going to say too much about this episode ahead of time. It's the third part of the conversation with my dad and his wife, Kameen. If you haven't listened to the previous two episodes, go back and listen to those first. The difference then as I grew up and failed was having to redefine success. Mm -hmm. Um, and success was, you know, being able to sustain myself. That was the first level of success. Mm-hmm. Then it became, um, I, I, when I got into corporate, success became getting the next promotion, getting more money. I had to, de- I had to answer the question for myself, how much is enough at one point? And I remember I was making about... Think about 69,000, 68,000, and I was like, you know, maybe that's just enough. I shouldn't push myself any further. And then I'd figure that out and push myself beyond that. And that became really for me, it's how much sometimes because of my spiritual orientation, it's like about donating money to other organizations and being a philanthropist. So sometimes that moves me to the next level mm-hmm. of success so that I can really help more people. So now, you know, success is much more in that realm of one, being able um, to contribute to our family, and then who do I get to donate to? How do I help organizations that I believe in? Um, I'm big on education organizations because I do believe education changes people's opportunities Mm -hmm. and so uh that i just think that as mark said it hasn't been like in order to get a job in order to get a career like um it's just shifted but i do believe in education highly especially at the younger you know Mm -hmm. junior high through high school um in the sense of like giving people a vision of what they can do that education can afford them. It doesn't, they don't have to pay 50, $100,000 a year, $75,000 a year. Now it's like, it's about the mindset. Yeah. Cool. I want to actually come back to something that when you asked about that, what does success mean to you? And I gave you an answer before that was accurate, but I just realized that there's actually another bottom line for me. Success for me was always measured by when I was, what age would I retire? And the ability to retire. So, because when you think about it, just to give you an example, Mm -hmm. if I were to have been a school teacher, while they don't make as much money, when they retire, they can make 80% of their salary Mm -hmm. for life Mm -hmm. with all the benefits. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a huge amount. I mean, think about that. You get to not have to teach, and 80% of whatever you made you get to continue having on top of social security. Right. It's a pretty darn good living. Yeah. At an early age. At so an early age. He went through the retirement crisis 
three years ago because a lot of his high school friends who were teachers were posting all over Facebook, retiring, I'm out. Now most of them have gone back and gotten some kind of other job just because you're 62 and like you got 30 years left. It's right. like, <laughs> I'm going to just sit around. <laughs> yeah. What am I going to do? But they also have an income coming in. Mm-hmm. But that for me was, you know, the definition of, of success was being able to retire and, and, and then, you know, do other things, whether, you know, and I, I never thought about it as sitting at home. I thought about it as learning Spanish or mm-hmm. playing a sport or, you know, learning yeah. another sport or, you know, traveling or whatever for fun. But, you know, for me, it was, do I have that? Do I have enough saved up? Do I have enough? you know, that I could actually retire. Yeah. Uh, my dad retired at 60, uh, 62, you know, so I'm already past that. Yeah. And, and you know, he obviously had that security to be able to do that without right. really a lot of struggle. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting piece too. Yeah, just a, a paradigm yeah, it's so, I think it's so interesting. Yeah, it's, I, I just feel like my whole mindset about the whole thing is, like, completely different. Like, and I'm sure part of it is, like, time, like you guys said. And part of it is, like, okay, well, if so, if money is such a huge driver and it's not a driver for me, partly because I don't think it honestly ever would, even in times of not having money, it was enough of a driver to be, like, okay, I should get, like, a job, at a coffee shop or at <laughs> wherever a little driving lift or whatever to like make ends meet. But it was never a driver. I couldn't, I don't know if it's just not being able to see in the future. Like I, I just always had this thing of like being present or something. Well, well, and it was, it was also not familiar to you, right? So if you're right. your dad doesn't go to an office every day. Right. Right. So and your mom taught at school. Right. right? And so and had probably other things, but it wasn't like there was like in my family, my dad had gotten a a master's in um, an MBA from Stanford and he went to work every day when, when he was home. We knew what that meant. Right. We knew that that paid the bills. We knew that my mom was a principal of a high school. So we knew the parameters of life. Right. Where it was like, they drilled that into us. Right. So sometimes that's, you know, the nature versus nurture with business. Yeah. Is also, you didn't see, like, you didn't really see him do the same thing every day. It wasn't an exposure thing. Right. I was more exposed to my mom who kind of jumped from thing to thing. She was a teacher for some years, but she worked for you and she did other things and she did volunteer things. Right. And right. she kind of followed wherever her passion was leading her at the time. Right. And then you had your own business, which felt very tied again to your identity and who you are. And I think I sort of imagined myself emulating that more. Mm-hmm. Turns out I'm a lot more like my mom. <laughs> But, um, yeah, but you probably even not living with him all the time didn't know what that meant. Right. Where he was going because it was inconsistent because sometimes he's on a trip. Right. Sometimes he's. It was know, sort of more of, I guess, my idea of what my dad did was more of a. Like, a, I don't know how to describe yeah. what I'm doing with my hands, but like an all encompassing, yeah. like yeah. creative. I mean, I think I felt that it was like yeah. a creative 
um, kind of, you know, thing that you were doing. But then I guess, I guess what I also want to say is, so I, I wanted to go into, you know, advertising when I decided I didn't want to do advertising anymore. I didn't have any other ideas. I was left without ideas and I just thought, okay, I'm just here in college right now. I was just not think. I wasn't thinking of the future. Like I just, I don't think I was like ever really thinking of the future maybe in my whole life. But I, I feel like I had my spiritual, talking about spiritual sort of like awakenings or spiritual, I don't, is that what you called it? I forget. Um, but yes, in college, like in my I want to say like my freshman year of college, like maybe second semester or whatever. And then that kind of continued throughout, which I think just also made me look at everything much differently than I would have maybe if I that hadn't happened. Um, because I started really, I mean, I guess I was sort of always like kind of philosophical about things and I always wanted to know why is everyone doing what they're doing and what is like what is the world about and what does it mean to like live a good life and stuff but I think I really started to question that a lot um a lot more having that perspective so I never aside from feeling like it was a moral obligation to have a job and that I saw my friends getting jobs and I wasn't having one and I felt in some ways left out and I felt like me like having fun all the time and them having to work that they might resent me or something like that like I had kind of social dynamics that influenced also my the way that I thought about work because money wasn't a huge motivator for me partly because I think it just wasn't but also because I have been fortunate enough to have some coming from an outside non-work related source for most of my adult life not all of it but um it's like, what else is then? What Then what is the reason to get a job? What is, you know, and I think that's been like the question that I've just been asking myself and trying to kind of like piece apart the sort of like expectations that I put on myself or trying to figure out like what is, like I only literally just recently last week was like, oh, I've been, I've structured my whole life around the idea that having a job is a moral obligation. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, if it's not, then... I can do whatever I want you know what I mean well and I think you're and you're not alone because there are a lot of um young people in your situation where they have their parents made a lot of money right and they um feel like they have they have guilt they have money shame because they have money they don't have to work Mm -hmm. but they don't know what to do yeah. And so, you know, we've been in the coaching industry, been recommending, you know, one of the books that we recommend is um, So Good They Can't Ignore You um, by Cal Newport, which is more the apprenticeship model of like mm-hmm. learning mastery of the thing mm-hmm. that you love to do. Right. But then that requires finding something that you love to do, which has been a complete. Right. Which is, well, actually, he, he, he demystifies that. It's mm-hmm. like, it's it's not so much the thing that you love to do. It's like finding like one thing that you're interested in, right. following that path, which is what Mark right. was saying. It's like I like American studies wasn't the thing that right. that should have led to Xerox, right? It was just they happened to they happened to be on campus um, during the career fair mm-hmm. and decided to apply for an internship and. And followed that path, mm-hmm. but followed the military path at the same time. Right. 
and then had to choose. So it's, I think for me, it's been interesting because every path that I've tried to follow has had a dead end, ultimately. Usually not after a very long time. And I've questioned, did was it really a dead end or should I have pushed through? And was it just a difficult thing? Or, you know, so I've sort of questioned my quitting of things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even if you think of the absolute worst podcast, which is probably the thing that I found that I loved the most out of all the things that I'd ever done, that wasn't, you know, a paid job, but it was, had potential mm -hmm. for pay later on and to be sort of a real fit, a real thing. And I worked for them for a year and I had no intention of like quitting and I was like very committed to them. <laughs> and then it like ended, yeah. you know, so it's like, <laughs> and then like I obviously started a lot of different, mm -hmm. tried to start a jewelry business, you know, like I feel right. like I followed a lot of, anytime I could, I, I would. I went through such a dry spell of like having no inspiration at all of just being like I remember you literally just being like just literally get any job and I was just like I don't know what you mean <laughs> like <laughs> right I wouldn't even know how to find any job <laughs> like like it made no sense it was like uh pick a I don't know it right. just felt so uh, un impractical like I just I had no idea yeah, how, it seemed something yeah it seemed like you were saying it as if it was something that was so simple and for <laughs> me I was just like I can't even fathom how I would like go about doing that right and you know like I could say you have done in the last probably five or six years something around podcasting in yes. some way so now I feel like I'm only just starting to um be like, okay, the things that I'm interested in, because the thing that I have always been interested in that has not ceased, there's two things. One is like personal inquiry <laughs> and inquiry into like the human condition. And the second one is social relationships, like <laughs> friendships. And they, like, I would always say like, oh, if I could just be like a professional friend, mm -hmm. that would be so great. But I don't, you know, I went to USM and studied spiritual psychology and it was always an option to like do I want to be a coach or something like that and it just even though it was something that I could like potentially be have a natural maybe inclination toward uh it was never really something that I liked that liked much once you got into it yeah because I can you know you know me I can See, I can monetize professional friend in a heartbeat. Not you don't even have to coach. You don't have to be a coach, but I can I can find a way to monetize. Okay, that. well we should have that <laughs> but, but that but I see what you're saying because it's really it is it is that big question of like because I can see like we were playing with what was that about um you know you're a a podcast mixologist, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> or, you know, because there are some big podcast players if you wanted to work for them. But right. but that requires a different thought process than you working for yourself. Right. And I think and I think what I'm coming more to now is like leaning into being like I'm an artist mm -hmm. and I create art in a million different ways from writing a poetry. But you know what I mean? So it's like been like a strange thing of like, my efforts haven't correlated with money, mm -hmm. but I've still made the efforts and I've still produced and created things that have had meaning to other people. Even like my jewelry, like I still see people wearing like the jewelry that I made them and that makes me super happy. I did not make, I didn't even break even <laughs> like in that business. Right. Um, We've all been there. 
It's all <laughs> not broken even. And yeah. um, like, so I think I think in t- kind of determining my own like idea of like what does success mean is like yeah, it's like such a weird thing of like having an income and a title. Like I would say that's kind of like what I you know as long as I can as long as when someone asks me like what do you do oh. I can be like I do this. <laughs> And then they can be like, is that how you pay for all your belongings? <laughs> and then I can say yes. Then, like, that would be <laughs> But that success, would then be coming I, outside of you versus right. really understanding that, like I've said to your dad, is, you know, Sarah, Sarah chose her parents well. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. if all of us were sitting up there, it's like... I want, I wanted to hit the lottery and, and choose that family. It doesn't mean that we haven't all had like stuff in our background. Yeah. Like you went through a lot, you know, in your family growing up. So, but it's still this opportunity so that you start to look at mm-hmm. it from how do I define success that yeah. isn't necessarily about title. And, and I think what, like what you said about, um, having a failure or made you have to kind of like redefine for yourself what success means like that's what I've been doing a lot um even with this podcast to be like okay this is a fun thing for me to do I really enjoy it I'm learning a lot about myself I'm bringing making a lot of very interesting conversations public I'm like creating a story I'm creating like a thing that I feel really passionate about that's sort of like driving me um even if nobody listens to it, then it's still success. Like, yeah, absolutely. can it still be a success? And there's like a bit of like not wanting to delude myself. You know, like I, I, I run up against that a little bit of being like, well, am I just escaping? Am I just going for like the easy thing? You know, I don't want to, to delude myself, you know, to just be like, well, this is good enough. You know what I mean? But, but, um, so, so it's like a lot of things I'm questioning. I know that I wouldn't, I know that the things that I had to learn, I literally think I only would have been able to learn them if I, with the circumstances that I had, which is right. I had money and that I had to like kind of fail at things and not find any type of (laughs) success that anyone would call success. Cause I've had to like, just bump up against that and just be like, I, I have failed. (laughs) Like I'm not living the life I was supposed to live, you know, the life that I thought I was going to live, the life that any of my family members wanted me to live. Like I'm not doing it. (laughs) So what if you're living, you are living the life you're supposed to be living. Right. It's just not defined the same way as the previous generations would, would have defined it. Right. Because, again, if you chose this family that would have this opportunity for you to have a trust fund, that, you know, and have things paid for, then it becomes a different inquiry versus this, I call it the second thought of I should be doing something else mm-hmm. versus learning this craft that could become something. Yeah. Because it really is a thing that you love doing. Yeah. And many people are too afraid to actually even try it yeah it is fascinating to see people go like wow you have a podcast like that's amazing I'm like it's the least amazing thing ever (laughs) (laughs) literally it's it's easy literally anyone can do it (laughs) but they don't think but I think that's the somewhat the tragedy of of people in general I think that you know I was going to say your generation but it's not just your generation 
is that too often we take the easy, what I now refer to as God-given capabilities, mm -hmm. are the ones that are easy. Mm -hmm. And the ones that are not God-given, we have to struggle in. But we tend to, to put a greater or higher value on the ones we have to struggle for mm -hmm. when, in fact, and Abraham would say this as well, it's like, go for the easy. Right. Like, instead of passing it off as, well, this is the least amazing thing. No, it's the most amazing thing. And, and I really am grateful and appreciative of God yeah. to be given that gift. And double down on and it. And double down on it, yeah. And he like, struggles. He struggled. He used to struggle with it up until about five minutes ago. But the the he takes his gifts super. In the past, he would. It, it just it just happened so naturally. He can he can diagnose a company that has been struggling for years on on a particular. Um, structure within that organization and he can literally see it within 10 minutes maybe a half an hour and I've witnessed him do it but he wouldn't up until this point take it as oh my gosh that's that's great he would you know like well anybody can see it well or it just came in I, I'm I'm just the pass-through right. so it gets negated so one day I said to him who does that sound like? <laughs> and he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, the apple didn't far, fall far from the tree on this conversation that we're having. Because you too have this thing that things that are easy for you, oh, anybody can do it, so you therefore it doesn't value. Mm -hmm. Versus seeing your podcasting as that has value. Because you know I'm monetizing. I can see it all in my head. I'm keeping it to myself. <laughs> there's there's ways to monetize that uh, but you have the value that you have created in you know some people will get stuck on their voice or or the technology or whatever and not follow through yeah you have followed through for years mm -hmm. on podcasting and kind of media Mm -hmm. and <laughs> going back to my major in media culture and communication <laughs> yeah but it's media your way yeah right you're yeah. you're when you were doing facebook lives and you right. were doing that you would you showed up in the world that way mm -hmm. so allowing yourself to find value in it that may not have a monetary yet right while you're still while you're still learning your craft yeah if that makes sense. Yeah. One, one thing that I had really great help with on this whole valuing thing and is that when I co-facilitated with Alicia, she's, you know, she was like one of those uh, students of the year at USM. She is like detailed and diligent and everything. I'm not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but we work really well together and She's also a really good writer. Like she writes USM, can write USM style, which very few people can. And, but it was so interesting because what she valued in our partnership that I never even thought of, because I hate, you know, like writing for me has been like the worst thing. So mm -hmm. I'm glad you got it. Mom has it. For me, even though I mean, it's I, super easy for him to write, and you've written the most books, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's a whole nother painful story. But 
But what was really great was she said, I just hate writing from the start. Oh. I need someone to, that can. So I said, well, I'll just take the first pass at it because I can do that easily. And, and, and she would just be shocked at how much and how fast. well and how fast I could get it done. Now, did she make lots of changes? Yeah, but she didn't care because she's used to making those changes. Yeah. And that's her skill. Yeah. So it was really cool to have both of our innate gifts, mm -hmm. but we kept, we made a vow, not a vow, not that strong, but sort of an informal agreement to point out each other's innate gifts oh, that we weren't wow. seeing. Yeah. And it was, I mean, to have somebody keep reflecting things that I just, yeah, I can write fast, mm -hmm. but it's shitty because it has to be yeah. redone over and over and it yeah. doesn't, it's very academic kind of sounding or whatever and it's not doesn't come yeah. alive well she can make it come alive but she can't do the beginning yeah so it was a really wow i don't have to be good at all of it i just have to be good at one little thing and it's a great gift yeah so it's it, it's changing the mindset a little bit on yeah. on how do we value our even pieces mm -hmm. of you know uh gift quality whether it's yeah. writing, podcasting, the technical part of podcasting, the voice interviewing part of podcasting, Being the curious. organizing it, the curiosity. I mean, you've yeah. got so many so many different gifts with, with that, um, that for me, it's like, you know, and I do have a question for you. When did you come up with the idea to have different people as one podcast instead of one person for one podcast. Well, I was sort of inspired by a podcast that I was listening to called Spermcast, which um, this woman that is sort of in my so you know improv circle, but you know we don't really know each other. Um, she would kind of do that. She would cut together a lot of different pieces. Um, so I think that kind of gave me the idea, the it. idea. And then it came, it kind of came just from recording a conversation and listening back and going like, well, this isn't really as dynamic as I would like it to be. And what else could I, so how else can I make it more, more interesting and more um, vibrant and like kind of whole. And, and to me, that's exactly the same as what we do in our businesses all the time. We do what we do. We listen back and we say, how can we do that better? Mm -hmm. And then we go. That either fits us. That fits us. And we yeah. either go find the technology or creatively do it ourselves yeah. or get the intuitive hit yeah. or get coached. And what you just described is what any, what I would call business person does. Mm -hmm. Right. The only difference is, is that doing it for money isn't the thing that that has to be figured out for you, mm -hmm. right? So if somebody wanted to do it and they wanted to do it for money, they'd have to figure out how to, how to, how to make a living mm -hmm. doing that. The gift that you have is that you don't have to figure that out. It's a choice. Right. So, so that getting for you to, be able to call yourself successful now takes a, a separate question out as is success only defined by money is it successful that i have 
however many listeners I have that anybody listens Mm -hmm. or that I'm even in the inquiry of my life because I am afforded that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So being able to, I do think the, the generations beyond, you know, below baby boomers and really below generate, well, with millennial and below is a different question than before Mm -hmm. because I think they did see their parents working all the time, doing all sorts of things. And, or, you know, other people saw their parents who stayed at factories or stayed at companies get laid off and, and had to change their lifestyles all of a sudden. That it, it changed the dynamic of what, what the millennials and below decide on what does work mean? What do they yeah. want work to mean? I mean, I think a lot of people my age... I mean, I think I think still for many, many, many people, it's like money is a huge factor because most people don't have – a lot of people have careers and then they also have to have multiple other jobs. So there isn't really that – which I think is part of a little bit of like my shame with it all of just being like, well, I don't have to have any jobs. I right. can just follow my creative passions Although that has like honestly been really hard. I mean, asking, you know, people would always say like, "What if you didn't have if money wasn't enough, you <laughs> yeah. know, a thing yeah, for you? Like, you know, if you had I'm living that. <laughs> yeah. If then what would you do? And it's like I don't know. I've been asking myself that. But you've been doing that. That's what you've been gravitating, like your dad said, gravitating towards yeah. these things that you enjoy. These yeah. inquiries. I think the other thing that. Uh, sort of played a role in like this whole journey for me is like when I published well, I self-published a poetry book yeah which I think like I have always wanted to publish a book and you know I've always been like a writer and so I think doing that felt I expected to feel very successful after doing that and I didn't so it felt good like it was fun for sure I think like the first time I like held the book in my hands and to be like oh it's like a real thing you know that has like a fun element to it that lasts for like maybe like three days yeah (laughs) yeah because again it's outside of you I'll be happy when I'll be happy when I'm a published author I'll be happy when I get a career right those are still the same things right so I think I like realized like oh I thought that accomplishment would make me feel successful and would make me feel happy and it didn't. So then if it's not about accomplishing things, then what is it? I think that's been mm-hmm. it's a great sort of my like, thing. Yeah. Because that's that's exactly what most people go through. I'll be happy when I get the promotion. I'll be happy when I get more money. I'll be happy when I publish a yeah. book. I'll be happy when I find my purpose. I'll be happy when whatever. But that sets up a loop inside of us that we don't actually get out of. Right. And so until yeah. we... It's goal line versus soul line. Right. Until we choose that that's not how we define ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's by how satisfied do I feel at the end of the day? Am I enjoying what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. I always say that, you know, someone asked me about coaching and I'm like, well, if you drop me on another planet with the little aliens, I'll probably be coaching them within an hour and finding out like, <laughs> how's your day going? What's going on in your life? What's, yeah. you know, what's not working for you? Just because that's, that's my perspective of the right. world. 
and I'll be going, what's, what's your experience? Yeah. Like, but can that's, I record it? Yeah. <laughs> but that would be, that would have value. Yeah. Right. And I'd go, how are y'all working together? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the three of us could be a great little space pod to change the change the culture of a planet. My yeah. my first mentor always shared with me this one quote, which he attributed to Mark Chagall. Um, and that was uh, the secret to success is do the things you love doing with the people you love doing mm-hmm. them with. Yeah. Period. And my, his... and, and my favorite quote was um, by um, Troy Aikman, the football player. And it was um, Fran Tarkington, another Hall of Famer, asked him, you know, what's been the secret to your su- success? And he said, a short memory. <laughs> because what we end up doing is perseverating over the same mm-hmm. things over and over again versus staying in the present and moving forward. Yeah. We're creating our future from this moment right. so instead of saying oh I didn't do this or what I you know I have no idea it's like just starting with okay well what would I like to create today mm-hmm. oh I'm going to create a podcast I'm going to finish my yeah. editing I'm going to share I'm going to tell somebody about it um so that we're continually moving just in the engagement you're you love the social aspect so it's the engagement of people mm-hmm. And how you see podcasts is completely different than anybody I've ever spoken to. And I've done a bunch of podcasts. <laughs> so nobody has ever said, oh, I'm going to piecemeal all of these uh, things together uh, just so that there's more engagement and there's more fun and we have different perspectives. Nobody has ever said that to me before. Yeah, I've done tons of podcasts. So it's... You guys should listen to Spermcasts. <laughs> They'll inspire you. So Well, you, you can inspire us. Yes, you inspire us. Um, I have like one last question, I guess, which is, I don't know, I think that this is a true thing, but maybe it's just my own perception. But I feel like you guys wanted so badly for me to like, (laughs) do a certain thing in terms of work (laughs) after college. And then in my perception, at some point that shifted. And I was wondering if you guys I, first of all, is that true? And like, when did it shift and what made it shift? And also, I guess, did did the way that you saw me living my life make you think differently about your life and the way that you're living it? I wouldn't normally ask about my own like influence, but I guess just, I guess for you specifically. <laughs> I have thoughts. I'll go after um, yeah, I think that, that again, o- only because of my construct of education right. going into work and, and, and for me, it's, it's you getting a job was more, well, ideal scene for me is you get a job that really fits your capability. Mm-hmm. what you're able to contribute mm-hmm. based on your special genius. innate gifts. So yeah. You, yeah, yeah, your, your zones zone of genius. genius. To, to me, that's like the ideal scene right. because there's such fulfillment in doing that. Yeah. And when you know that connection from God to you yeah. to now being of service, whether I don't really care about the pay that comes from right. it, I'm more, like the pay for me is the least in the equation. The most in the equation is, are you doing you based on God, what God's given you yeah. 
as as a contribution. Right. Um, and that would be the first thing. The the second thing is being in the working world has a it, it's kind of like there's a growth that you get from university. Comparing someone who's been to high school who's not been to high school, there's a growth that comes from being going through high school and all that you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a growth from having a boyfriend that before you ever have a boyfriend, you just can't, there's no way to compare the two. You mm-hmm. know, you can talk about it, you can analyze it, but until you have that first boyfriend where you're really in a relationship yeah. and doing it and all that you learn through that experience. So for me, that's the same thing in the, for me, it's the same thing in the working world. There's a social element. There is a, um, uh, a um, organizational, um, how do I call it? Organizational environment element, whether that's a family organization or whether it's a corporate. They're all different, mind you, but they all have something where you can't just do it your way and you've yeah. got to meet other people's needs and you've got to negotiate and you've mm-hmm. got to do many things that become a value in our maturity and in our growth as individuals mm-hmm. that you can't get when you're not working. Yeah. Because it's the environment, it's the work environment that gives you those struggles, those challenges, yeah. those um, those tools. opportunities and those yeah. tools. Um, I think that's like one of the main things that I think am I stunting my growth in some way or am I lacking a maturity in a way that I I, I wouldn't be as much if I was, yeah. But that wasn't necessarily a value for you way back five or six, seven years ago. It's coming maybe more of a value now. Right, I wouldn't even have known You wouldn't have known or thought about that. But when you asked me, what was I hoping for you? That's what I was hoping for you is like have that experience, start to find where your avenue is going to take you, yeah. however that goes, and follow whatever that is to whoever you become. Because right. I don't have this thing that, oh, it's a one thing or it has to be a this thing or that. I mean, it, it could have been, you know, leading you right to podcast, and I don't even know where that's going to lead. Right. That may lead to you doing a podcast. That could lead to you being an organizer of someone else doing a podcast, that could lead to you teaching podcasting to other people or something completely different than podcasting but involves that skill. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many different tentacles, if you will, to mm-hmm. what, what it can be. For me, it shifted when, A, I at some point had to either come to terms and go in acceptance with it and then also realizing that, well, if you've got the money, you don't have to do that. So for me, I just went into an acceptance mode, but but I will always have like not a not a regret, but a a thing that just as if if you wouldn't have had the college experience, then then and you would have just gotten a job, I would have felt you had missed out. Mm-hmm. So there's a little <laughs> bit of re- <laughs> so there's a little bit of yeah, regret that right. you're missing out. Mm. That's all, because I just yeah. want the most for you. Right. But you've got to choose that. And, and at the point that I came into acceptance, then it's it's less of a deal for me, and, and you can take care of yourself. And I think that, you know, with whatever money you have, and you're smart with the money you have, and, you know, you live frugally, and 
you know, whatever that means. And so that's all fine. I, I just will always hope that you find whatever is your passion, not your purpose, but your passion, mm-hmm. that then ends up becoming your purpose just mm-hmm. simply by it evolving to that. Mm-hmm. And that I'm excited that you're doing this. But I've been excited with everything you've done. Like the Reiki, I was all over that. You know, I thought, well, that would be great, you know. And then when you did the um, um, the art thing, I thought that was all. The art know, show. The art show. That was over the moon for me. Like, wow, that was really, like, wow, so many gifts That was another together. thing of being like, oh, I thought I would feel more happy about this, the completion of this. Mm-hmm. I just kept having these experiences where I was doing things, I was completing them, and I was accomplishing things and I was not and and it just left me feeling so empty yeah (laughs) but let's speak to to that for a moment because I don't know I don't really know what that means in a sense of I don't know how to give meaning to that I get the feeling I end up with a gig we ended up with the with the with the 10 month SCF program at USM and Lisa is like Wow, that was amazing. I'm done. It's like, next. Right. Like, I don't necessarily, like, I feel it was an accomplishment. I'm really glad I did it. But when I end an engagement or a weekend or um, whatever, it's not like I'm flying high. He is for the first 45 minutes. Yeah. And so I, I noticed that when we first got together and I tried to make sure I was available for those first, that first 45 minutes because there was a marked difference between how he sounded on the phone in that period of time to if he had already gotten through security and he was waiting for his plane. If I, if I talked to him immediately, he's like, Oh, it was a great gig. You know, it was so much fun. And then like an hour later, he's like, if I talked to him, then it's like, Oh, it was, it went well, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, and very little commentary about it Mm -hmm. versus you know, and by the next day, that, it's that gone. I remember gone. doing it. No, it really <laughs> true. That's not, he's not joking. Like, it, Pretty it, much. It, it's it was, like it doesn't register at all. Right. Yeah. So I can't make that my criteria right. for whether I should be doing something or whether it's good for me to do it, etc. And quite honestly, in between, uh, sorry, in between, there's many times I don't like it. Like I get stage fright every time I have to work in front of a group. Like not stage fright, but but nervous and agitated, and he's worried about. Sometimes like like, you know, what am I going to do? But I know because I've seen the pattern um, that it's always going to come in. The information is always going to come in. He just uh, he I've had to teach him to settle down Mm -hmm. and know that it's coming. Mm -hmm. So it's very different, you know, for me watching you. It it was a it was a bit of a surreal experience because I, we didn't, I, you know, there was no option for any of us children as to whether we were, were we were going to get a job. Yeah. So I remember, you know, I remember a few times talking to you and I was like, really? You need to go get a job. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't just for the money. It yeah. is for the experience, right? And the, and because I think also we see you so gifted and those are those gifts being utilized now? Doesn't mean that in corporate that would you know be any better that because usually they're only using one gift or another gift, but the experience of it, you know, and it's 
kind of like you would you would call and you'd say, you know, you asked about your influence on us. You'd say, you know, hey, you guys want to hang out? Well, to us, we're like I I don't necessarily <laughs> consider my my job that much work, but it is what I do for so hanging out wasn't like an option. You mean during work hours? During work hours, you? yeah. You would call us on a Tuesday at ten o'clock and be like, or text him and be like, "Hey, you want to hang out?" And we're like, um, "We're working. <laughs> like this is this is what this is how the world goes around. <laughs> we're actually working." But it was understanding, understanding that you, like I said, when I really saw, wow, Sarah chose her her parents well. You know, she she got the golden ticket. She doesn't she doesn't have to do anything. Then it became allowing you to discover. Well, and you're you have another gift in a way or whatever makeup that says you don't you don't have to strive. You don't have for, to suffer like everybody else you, has to. Well, you don't have that desire for necessarily the next level. Yeah. Oh, I have like, like almost no ambition. Is that what well, you mean? <laughs> That's something I, don't I, come to I, don't like th- I don't see it from the ambition standpoint. I see it from the, um, well, let me just say, going from Marina Del Rey to here was a huge step up. For us. For us. Right. Like we were looking for We were in an apartment. Yeah. Right. Okay. You know, now we're looking for a house. We end up here. Now, this is granted, it was a lot bigger mm-hmm. and more than what we were looking for or anticipating. But, but, to some degree, I've always had the thing of what's the next level. You know, like we own Tesla cars. Yeah. Well, you know, I never dreamed of even owning, owning a BMW. Like for me, I'm happy with my Prius. But while I can be happy with my Prius, there is that other part of me that wants the, the newest iPad mm. Pro or that wants the next computer or that wants the, you know, whatever. And I'm not saying that we need necessarily the next house because we don't dream of that at all. But, but certainly it's required us to then be able to do the kind of work that's going to funnel that kind of right. money to support that. Right, right. You know, and we want our lawn to look, our landscape to look better. But that requires us going from 120 month to pay for a gardener to 200 a month mm-hmm. to pay for a gardener. Well, it doesn't sound like a lot, but over, you know, 10 months or 12 yeah. months, over a year it is, it adds up. So if if you don't have that desire for that next thing and you go, no, I love my car and I'm just going to drive it as long as it works and then I'll worry about a new car when, when that happens, you don't have that issue nearly as much. Right. So that's, you know, and I never had that as much until I met Sophie because mm. she introduced me to that nice world <laughs> that yeah. I honestly, you know, in my world of being a teacher and living in the suburbs, that wasn't even an awareness to me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's for other people, mm-hmm. not for me. Just like when I think of Oprah's money or not even Oprah's, pick any CEO. I just read that the the actual CEO for Kaiser, not the guy I've worked with, but the guy that he reports to, mm-hmm. makes between 8 and $10 million a year. It's like, I, I can't yeah. even relate to that. Yeah. Love to learn. 
open. Open to learning. <laughs> but but up to this point, that's, yeah. you know, that is far away from, right. you know, you, you do that for me. You do that for one year and you've satisfied my retirement yeah. <laughs> goal, basically. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that that's. Maybe that'll change the older I get. It could. That. It or could. When I have a family or, and stuff. Or it'll change in different ways, like having kids or right. wanting to have a, a bigger wedding or a small, you know, like all that will sort itself out, yeah. you know, in terms of of lifestyle and stuff <laughs> yeah. based on your it's partner. It's funny because lately like I've that. been like, I, I want to move into a studio. You know, I live in a one bedroom right now and I'm like, it's too much space to clean. Like, <laughs> I would rather live in a studio. Right. Like, I don't need like... That was a criteria for us, yeah. even moving here. Yeah. Because we have one of the smallest places yeah. in this, you know, Devel- you yeah, development <laughs> in this community. So... I um, always like to just have whatever I need and like a little bit more to fill Right. Comfortable. Right. Yeah. And we can honestly say we use every bit of this space. Yeah. You know, the guest room is the one we use the least, but we do use it for guests, and that happens a lot. (laughs) For retreats and for family. Yeah, Yeah, that is like an interesting thing to just think about, you know, what what are your particular skills, skills, talents, and material resources and strengths that you kind of came in with or that have come easily even you know personality trait likability or Mm -hmm. a sense of humor like there's like Mm -hmm. all these things that we don't necessarily consider valuable that I've been thinking of lately but then also what are the challenges the things that you you know came to learn and then like also yeah what are the things that like your desires and ambitions Mm -hmm. and things and like how all of that kind of comes together yeah like makes yeah it's like an interesting (laughs) thing to like think about I guess I I, it makes me think every person has whatever they've been whatever they've come in with all of those things put together they can build a a good life for Mm -hmm. themselves that makes them Mm -hmm. feel fulfilled and happy one of the things that you shared a couple of times, and I'd like to go back to it, is that around the money thing and around you having money while other people have to do sometimes one job, yeah. sometimes two jobs, and you feeling a sense of shame about that. And obviously your feelings are your feelings. That's a very strong word. And shame. Shame. Because it's, an, it's accurate. <laughs> Well, but yeah, it's strong. I, 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 I mean, want, for sure. But I think that there's some work for you to do with that because yeah. shame is different than, let's say, embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Like one could be embarrassed, like feel awkward, feel like, wow, I, yeah, I, I don't, can't relate in the same way. And yes, I get an advantage that you don't get, whatever. Um, and anyone can have that. People that are thin that can eat anything they want, you know. I wonder <laughs> if they ever feel that because they can eat whatever they want yeah. and they don't gain weight. Um, you know, people have different different things. And we could feel shame because, wow, look at all the opportunities we get because we're smart and we're born with intelligence right. that other people simply aren't born with. Like they... Right don't have the opportunity to do what we're doing at all, not even close. Yeah. Um, so for me, the shame is a, is a judgment against oneself where even embarrassment to me would be still something to work through, but is not as harsh Higher on yourself. 
kind of soul line on that yeah. one. But you're saying to just rename it, or you're saying to inquire whether it's a shame, really shame, or if it's embarrassment. Well, yeah, well, both. But if there if there is shame, then there's something for you to oh, heal. For sure. I mean, yeah. And putting together these like work episodes, literally, the first episode uh, took me probably two months to put together. Like I kept becoming paralyzed by shame. <laughs> like I. Yeah. And even you know, the, so the first episode came out today about work which kind of reveals more. It's a lot about myself. Um, And I, even yesterday, I was like, even though I had kind of come to terms with like, okay, I know what story I'm telling and I have all of these examples and I'll talk to, you know, my mom and I'll talk to my dad and that's like a place to start. You know, it it felt like I just needed to grab anything. So I was like, so. Yeah, which is, I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, I love the journey you're on. It just. Hearing that you're doing an attack on yourself, that doesn't need to be there. There's no shame in the fact that you have money and don't have to work while someone else does. That's not a shame thing. It's a, it's an opportunity thing. It's a. But it's more familiar. It's actually more common now, and we are seeing a lot of it in the in the coaching world Mm -hmm. of of people your age who come from families where they don't have to work because then they don't know. They don't know who they are if, yeah. if they're not identifying as right. their role. Right. And I think that's, like, a huge part of it. And I think, yeah, right, the other part is, like, the the phrase, the what I said about the, the moral, like, that having a job is a moral necessity. And, like, I guess the moral part is the judgment. It, it, like, yeah, the judgment of, like, you should. there. To me, before, there was not an option of you could just not have a job. You know what right. I mean? That There wasn't never... an option for us not to just... But, yeah, but there was a, that was a practical thing yeah. for you guys. I'm saying it's a more... Like, right? Because I can understand the practicality, obviously, right. getting a job and having money and doing work and contributing. There's certain practical elements of work that make a lot of sense to me. But it, it was this, well, if all of those things are met mm-hmm. and I still feel like I should have a job I still feel like ashamed not to have one then that becomes like a moral that's like a moral thing a moral yeah. judgment that it, it right it's not okay like for me it was like it's not okay to not have a job like that's simply it's right. not okay not to but it's, have it's one. It, I think it's also the question of in that it's not okay the question is almost somewhat in my in my view, yeah. somewhat different. It's like we get a sense of self from what we do in the world and right. how we use our gifts and abilities. Right. If we're not using our gifts and abilities at all, right. Then what? But that's and, again a practical, like that well, has practical. It, there has practical, but it's also again a sense of si- significance based on. I came into the world with a, per, a, a certain perspective. But is that necessarily a job? Like, this is what I'm wondering. It, it's like, it, if I it doesn't had a podcast yeah. that never made money, never got, you know, even mm-hmm. a thousand followers, but it was fulfilling to me, or I wrote a poetry book and I wrote, did these creative endeavors that 
I really liked doing and I was producing things and using my gifts, but no one was really seeing them or it was a small amount and I wasn't really making money. I would still feel, even though I was using my gifts, even if I had money coming in from, right? So these kind of practical elements are taken care of. It would still feel like I was not like okay like it was not okay for me to be doing that that's how right. I'm saying that I, I see that's how you yeah. you you see it I de- and I acknowledge that it's answering also a bigger question is I am I enough yeah ultimately right. that boiling it down to the base question is right. am I enough yeah as a as a human being yeah um versus needing some other external validation of who I am right and I think that's been, like, the question. Mm-hmm. Or one of the That's questions. your inquiry, right? See, and I, I had the exact same inquiry, just at a different level of it, but it was exactly the same. So I've built this body of work. I've written books. I've really struggled and dedicated yeah. myself to this work. But my audience is this big. Yeah. Where if you look at David Allen's audience, it's this big. And if you look at Stephen Covey's audience, it's that big. Right. And I'm still, like, this big. Then am I not successful? You know, that's really a a level of success. And I'm struggling for money. Those guys don't ever struggle for money. It's like, so, or it doesn't seem like it, but, you know, so, but see, you're asking that same question. It's like, if you do that for a thousand people, if that's what your gifts are and that's what your passion is and that's what you do, it doesn't matter whether it's a thousand. And, and, you know, I was actually talking to Michael about this, and that's when he said, what would God say? And God is about how do you use your gifts, not how popular does it become. And that's why JR, in all the years, uh, never promoted or allowed marketing materials for MSIA. Mm -hmm. It was 5,000 people, and it didn't need to go to 10,000 for him to feel okay about it. He never, like it was the, now, quite honestly, I was, I thought that was a dumb way to go in my younger years. (laughs) You know, it's like, why aren't you? You know, and this, this could go to more people and it can help more people. But his whole thing was, that's not the objective. The objective is for me to put this out. How big it gets, what it does is not none of my business. And I think that's kind of like what I'm trying to um what I have sort of just like in the past really few months I guess like been trying to notice and accept you know because what I'm saying like the thing about like the moral necessity of having a job that's something I didn't know that I had in my consciousness Mm -hmm. because for me it was just it's not okay to not have a job like I would just say that's the reality anyone you ask would say that like in my perception I was like of course that's Something that we've all agreed of. All of humanity has agreed on that. <laughs> Not everybody. You know? But that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. like, I didn't know. I couldn't even see that as a concept. Yeah. I saw it as literally the reality. So once I was able to see that, and once I started kind of like, obviously I've been inquiring about this whole work thing forever. But like, I think since I've like, especially been doing this and hitting up, you know, trying to put these episodes together and hitting mm-hmm. walls and things, I'm like, okay. And, and putting out the podcast because it feels very vulnerable to put out and it feels like I'm putting a, really a lot of work into it, a lot of hours, a lot of effort into it. And it, I often have felt like, why am I doing it? Like, what's the, am I just completely wasting my time? Like, if no one ever sees this, am I just literally wasting all of my time? Like, is there something better I should be doing? 
Um, and I've had to continually kind of be like, no, it's okay if I, it's okay to follow whatever like my passion is, even if I can't see where it's leading. And even if and it doesn't lead see. anywhere. That's the only if, thing is you can't yeah. see. No. As long as you're taking steps based yeah. on what's coming forward. And I think in the past I tried to do things from the end result. So I'd be like, oh, I'm going to start a jewelry business because look, these people are selling crystal jewelry for $60 a necklace. I can make a necklace. I'll do it from that. But I was not inspired at all. Like, I don't even wear jewelry. I don't care about jewelry or stuff, really. <laughs> which, is, which is why also yeah. my getting into Mary Kay Cosmetics at right. the time failed for me was I didn't wear makeup. I used, <laughs> I wore, I washed my hands yeah. with Dove at the time. So yeah. skincare did not, like, I used no moisturizer. I had the youngest skin ever. Yeah. And then I'm trying to convince people yeah. that they need makeup and yeah. skincare and all of this stuff. So it wasn't in alignment. Yeah. with who I am yeah so finding that alignment and taking the steps as yeah. they are they come to you yeah. is the thing that that's the only thing you can do because yeah. you don't know if like somebody happens to be like flipping through podcasts and they happen yeah. and then Oprah's people call you and say hey totally. would you like to be senior engineer on our on our podcast yeah and I just keep know. questioning not that sh- I would like yeah. Keep, keep questioning the shame. Keep questioning this. Yeah. Is that from you or from somebody else? Yeah. That's what I've sort of been like kind of trying to and be just like, where put is it, it coming in, from? Yeah. <laughs> put that in that category. Yeah. I should get a job. I don't have to get a job. But I'm yeah. doing something that has value to me. Yeah. You know, we know someone that's, you know, not somewhere around your age, maybe a little bit older but doesn't have a doesn't have a compass whatsoever yeah. because they have a lot of money. Uh, you know, their parents did really well yeah. and is, you know, does like you know plays a lot meaning 10 million a year. Wow. Yeah. That's that's his salary for doing nothing. <laughs> so he that comes in that's that's what he gets. Yeah. So it's hard to yeah. It's hard to fathom yeah. that you know if you're, he's not doing what you're doing, which is really cultivating what what is engaging my life mm-hmm. from this level. I mean, he's, be, he's become a good bridge player. That's important. <laughs> yeah. So it's, but that's the thing is for you to to keep keep coming back to you, keep yeah. coming back to your alignment, keep, yeah. keep checking in. And is this my next step and take yeah. that step and you'll, you've seen doors open, you've seen doors close. Yeah. And I think that's like also part of it is like all the doors that have, where I'm like trying all these things and I'm like, okay, well nothing is working. And I believe, and from hearing your story, dad too, like I hear so many stories where it's just, like, oh, yeah, this thing just came easily to me. And then I was like, well, should I do this? And then someone's like, I'll help you do that. And like all these th- things just kind of like lead organically and naturally into something. And I'm like, okay, I know that that is possible and that that happens for a lot of people. And here I am just <laughs> hitting every wall and like every yeah. door is closing. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to fight so hard for it because I know that if it was like truly meant to be and truly in alignment that it it right. would be easier. Like, that's just, I guess that's just how I think that things. Yeah, but there's, that. with every, what looks like to you is every door opens just so gracefully and easily. I would say quite the opposite because, you know, I've, you know, it's developed really products. I developed, you know, yeah. books and, and 
many of those where I put in so much effort and time and yeah. then got feedback that it was really good, never sold. Yeah. But even getting feedback that it's, I mean, even with my poetry book, even though it's not selling and doing, I still have, I still get really good feedback on it. And I've even gotten feedback from like someone who just found it in a bookstore and like found me on Instagram and was like, oh my gosh, I like love your, and I was like, wow, this is incredible. You know, that means more to me than, right. yeah, than anything sure. else. But I think, I, but I think there's something that's different about, you know, like I, I would say like this podcast is like pretty easy, but it's not that easy to be like super vulnerable, like especially in these mm -hmm. past episodes, it's been like really hard, but not the same. It's not the same kind of hard that other things are where you're just like, not you can't compare you them. You can't compare. You can't compare them to other people's hard. Not other people's. I'm saying others of my own things that I've tried where I'm just like, yeah, which you're nothing. staying with it. It's like I said, it's the thing that you've consistently done over yeah. the last five but I, years. But because doors have continued to open for me, so whereas the, other doors have closed right. for me. So then that's tells that's a clue. you, <laughs> that tells you to, that gives you inspiration to stay with right. right, right, right. But that's what I'm saying is like certain things, like when doors continually close, I know not to like keep trying to open them because right. I know that Good. it wouldn't have closed. If, yeah. And and know, that's right. what, you know, in my business, I've done things where th they just didn't pan out. Yeah. And I have to accept those yeah. things and go back to the things where it's easy. Right. And then be like, oh, is it okay for it to be easy? Yeah. Yeah. Being okay with the easy thing. Yeah. I mean, that is the thing is like, and allowing yourself to notice when it's easy and question, mm -hmm. do I have a belief that it has to be hard? Yeah. Do I have a belief that it has to struggle? Do I have a belief that, that, you know, something else has to happen versus, yeah. you know what, this just keeps showing up. Yeah. Let me follow that path. I've listened to the last part of this conversations many times now, trying to figure out what to say about it. At first, it felt like a roller coaster. I loved what Kameen said about not making our happiness dependent on something outside of us, whether that's some career or anything else. I also loved what my dad said about what he hoped for me in regard to work. It was sweet and also practical. But the first few times I listened back to the conversation, I still heard a twinge of this idea that paid work is inherently better than, more important than, or more valid than non-paid work, or not working at all. I can't tell if that was my own perception or if they were really expressing that opinion. And I'm still trying to question this idea that who someone is is best expressed by what they do. Could it also be expressed by how someone is, their qualities of being, the way they think, and the way that they treat people? This isn't always expressed in doing something, but since doing often leads to producing and producing leads to products and services we can exchange for money, these things are seen as more valuable. Someone can't get their basic needs met, their shelter, their food, their water, their clothes, just by being nice, even if they're the kindest person on the planet. And that kind of bothers me. But what I really want to bring into focus are some of the things we talked about. We talked about retirement, which, listening back for the millionth time, I really heard as a huge topic. My dad wanted to get a job that would let him retire with good pay. That makes a lot of sense, but it's never something I've thought about. I always assumed whatever my career would be would be so successful and so inextricably tied to who I am that I'd either never want to stop working or I'd make so much money that I didn't need to think about it or both. 
but talking about it here, even though it was brief, really makes me sad because it makes me think of our economic system, which just isn't very good. It makes me wish everyone could just be taken care of financially, no matter what they contribute, what they have contributed, or what they continue to contribute. It's hard to imagine my dad being retired because he can't really stop working. He just wrote a new book called B-State. He is rebranding his business, and he's still extremely inspired by his work. But the fact that he can't retire kind of sucks. We also talked about valuing our natural gifts rather than tossing them aside as inconsequential because they come easily. This kind of gets into just following the natural flow of things and how that seems like it should be the simplest thing in the world, but can actually be extremely difficult due to conditioning and societal and familial expectations. Our ideas of ourselves don't always match who we really are at our core, and it can be enticing and even habitual to follow the path of who we think we should be. While over time this becomes difficult and painful, it makes sense that we do it. Oftentimes, it's what we're being encouraged to do by others. It's what we've learned to do our whole lives in order to please others or to fit into a certain role that we're expected to play. Or it's just what we see others doing, so it's what we're modeling our lives after. And of course, we talked about success. How do we define success? Amount of income, size of audience, how prolific our creativity and work, how positive the impact, how quickly and easily we manifest our desires... I'm sure it's different for everyone and changes over time for everyone, but it's easy to get seduced by one way of thinking about it and to beat our heads against the wall trying to get there, even if it doesn't make sense for us. I love exploring these questions and seeing how different people relate to them. It's taken me a lot to free myself from my beliefs around work, and I'm sure I'm still fighting with them a little bit, even if I'm not consciously aware of it. I still notice a twinge of shame or embarrassment come up here or there as I think about my past choices or as I think about trying to start something new and comparing that to what I've done so far, which feels like not much. I spent so many years making choices that I thought would lead me where I wanted to go, and I was left confused because I didn't feel like I was making progress, and I felt extremely stuck and anxious and embarrassed. But when I was finally able to see and get space from this belief I was holding that said having a job was a moral necessity, it felt like all my choices, the entire way I was thinking about the thing, unraveled. Beliefs are like little boxes that inform the entire way we perceive the world, the choices we make, and the outcomes we expect to get from our actions. I don't know exactly what causes us to wake up from our beliefs so that we can see them and get space from them, but for some reason, naming the belief I had down to the exact wording, which feels so specific, freed me from it. While I held this belief, I could only make choices from within the confines of that belief. My entire worldview was inhibited by it. But once I was able to see it and to pull myself away from it, the things I was doing that were influenced by that belief stopped making sense. My coach, Julie Shazat, always talks about this. Only the belief that she found herself holding was, I have to be more than I am. She said that once she realized she didn't have to be more than she was, the things she was doing to try to be more stopped making sense, and things that felt more in alignment with her authentic goals and desires and way of living started to come forward as options that made more sense. In other words, she was able to see more clearly, and that's pretty much how I feel too. While there is still a little residue holding me in my old belief system, I have had a complete renaissance of desire and curiosity, taking me back to what I really wanted when I graduated college, which I put aside while prioritizing trying to become the adult I thought I should be. I hope to get more into this in a future episode. But for now, thank you so much for listening. I know this was 
really a lot of stuff about me personally and talking to my family, but I hope that it was helpful or at least interesting and that you enjoyed listening. We'll have more next week, so stay tuned.
Listening back to this part of the conversation is a roller coaster. There are parts that I love. I love the part about not making our happiness dependent on something outside of us, whether that's some career or anything else. I also loved what my dad said about what he hoped for me in regard to work. It was sweet and also practical. He said he just wanted the most for me and pointed out the positive things about working, the building of character, the relationships, the teamwork, the growing and maturing and learning. I've gotten some of that from the part-time and temp jobs I've had, but I do worry that by never really having work that made up a huge part of my life for a long period of time, I've missed out on that in a bigger way. There are also parts of the conversation that make me feel uneasy. There still seems to be an underlying judgment against not working, an acknowledgement of the moral necessity of doing paid work. Is this my own interpretation of their words, or do they really hold that judgment? I can't tell. But it is this mindset that work is exceedingly important and that it only has real value if it's being exchanged for money that I'm trying to find space from. And I do feel with all of these conversations and the struggle to unravel my own shame that I have gotten space from the idea that working in exchange for money is a moral necessity. I've begun to peel away the judgments and expectations I've put on what I'm supposed to do with my life and how I'm supposed to live and to think more in terms of practicality and desire. When I remove the shoulds, I can see more clearly the wants and the needs. A few months ago, when I was in the middle of reading Jeff Tweedy's book, Let's Go So We Can Get Back, the one I talked about in the first episode with Jess, I was in a yoga class, and when I got home, I wrote this. To be an artist is to live a life in which the most important thing is the experience of being alive, and to share it, and to see if anyone else recognizes what you share and says, yes, that. And then they say, and this. It's just a hyper slowed down conversation with the universe, ruled by the body, by the heart, by the spirit. It's just a life of screaming, I'm here, and this is what it's like for me. I think that's the only life I can really live, and that's why I cried in yoga. The thought that I just want to be an artist and only an artist was relieving and also terrifying. Relieving because I finally had a name for what I wanted, and terrifying because I had no idea what that meant or how to fulfill that calling. Over time, I have come to appreciate the creative space, the space before success, the space of struggle and trial and error, the space that feels like possible failure because the ending is unknown. I like this space because in our world, we aren't often shown the process and the journey, so it's difficult to know what to expect and easy to compare ourselves to people who have been doing things much longer than we have, who have already created something and reached some sort of success, which inevitably leads to disappointment and being hard on ourselves. And when we are shown the in-between place before the great success, it's only shown with the successful end already solidified. But I'm trying to get comfortable with doing things for the sake of doing them without so much focus on the outcome. I believe my creative attempts of the past haven't worked because I was pursuing them with the mindset of achieving a certain response or getting to a certain destination rather than enjoying the creative process itself. But that's not really how creativity works. This is what I talked about with Jess in episode 5. Creativity is an exploration of something new. It's a following of breadcrumbs, a giving over to vulnerability, both in revealing ourselves layer by layer to ourselves and to our audience, but also in giving ourselves over to the unknown, the most vulnerable place we can be. As always, thank you for listening, and if you like what you've heard, please subscribe and leave a rating and review wherever you're listening.